All right, well, today we're going to continue with the series in Acts, and the title of my message today is Down, But Not Out. Down, but not out. I'm not the most creative person in the world. I just, I just kind of call them like I see them, down but not out. And I, I had images of Rocky Balboa when I was writing this message. Come on, yo, Adrian. We got a yo, Adrian in the house. Come on. I seen Rocky getting beat down by the Russian, by Apollo Creed, by Mr. T, right? And then he got back up. He was down, but he wasn't out, right? How many of you were a Rocky fan? Come on. I'll, I'll rewatch him every now and then just to, you know, just to stay in touch. Today, I want you to think about something that maybe you haven't thought about in a while. The church, the capital C church, the body of Christ, not a building, not an organization, not a denomination, the, the capital C church, the believers across the planet have been around for a while. In fact, they've been around for over 2,000 years. And I want you to think about this today because the church, the capital C church across the globe has been thriving since Jesus walked the earth, I don't know if another organization that has lasted that long and gone through everything that the church has gone through and is still standing and thriving today. The church has come under attack. She's taken on many blows. She's had plenty of failures. And at times the church has lost its way. Even though... The church is still the church today. I'm talking about the body of believers across the globe. Not the denominations, not the organizations, not the buildings, the believers. 2.3 billion people in the on the globe today practice some form of Christianity. So here's the question. How is the church still strong today? How is the church still strong today? I get it. We can all complain about something, right? We can all pick the failures out of the church and say, well, the church is not doing this and the church is not doing that. And we can get really critical really fast if we wanted to. But here's the thing you need to understand. For over 2,000 years, Jesus established his church and it is still advancing the kingdom of God today. With all of its blemishes, with all of its mistakes, with all of its failures, it's still thriving today. How does it do that? How does the church remain strong today? I hope to show that to you today. Acts, we're in Acts chapter 14. I want to give you a quick review from last week. Last Sunday we had an incredible time. And... We were in chapter 14, and we talked, we, I shared the story with you about when Paul was preaching in the, La, the Laodicea area, and he, or the Lystra area, and he, he was in the middle of his message, and he saw a man who was crippled, and as he's preaching, he sees the man, and he sees that the man has enough faith to be healed, and, and Paul, in the middle of his message, says, stand up. And the guy who had never put his feet on the ground and walked an entire moment in his life stood up and began to walk. I was thinking about that miracle this morning. It was a miracle that he stood up and that he walked, right? But here's the greater miracle. He had never walked before. How did he know how to walk? And 
And so Paul does this incredible miracle, and the, and the, and the people in that area just go ballistic. I mean, they're just blown away. This guy that they've all known their whole life has been crippled since he was born, and now he stands up in the middle of a church service, and he's walking. The people go crazy, excited. Some were in awe and wonder, and some were just ballistic. They started to try to call Paul and Barnabas Greek gods. This is interesting. They, they called Paul the Greek god Hermes. Because he was the communicator. He was the chief communicator of the two. They, they tried to call Barnabas Zeus because, Zeus was, because Barnabas was so authoritative. So Barnabas and Paul were a dynamic couple. Not couple. Come on. Some, partners. Not partners. Uh, Lord, help us. Can I just redeem a word this morning? Can, they were a team. Come on. Some, Somebody help us. <laughs> they, were, they were a dynamic duo. One was authoritative and one could communicate very well. And they're trying to make them God. They went to the extent of bringing in animals to sacrifice for them. And Paul and Barnabas go, no, bro, no, we're not gods. Like, don't put that on us. You ain't putting a curse on me. I'm not God. I'm human. I'm human. And to the point where Paul and Barnabas rip their, their shirts and they just go, listen to me. We are human. We are not gods. It's a crazy story. And you think about that and you go, man, Paul, you know Paul. You know Paul did everything that, everything that he preached, he pointed to Jesus. If you've studied Paul at all, you know that Paul points to Jesus. Paul never pointed to himself. In fact, when other men would point to themselves, Paul would rebuke them and correct them. He said, no, we don't, we don't bring attention to ourselves, we bring attention to God. And even though he did that, because the people saw the power of God working through Paul, they wanted to make him the God. And they did not see the God of Paul. Interesting story. But then something happens. So we're going to pick up in verse 19 and 20. And I want to show you something that happens to Paul and to Barnabas. Verse 19. I'll tell you what, let's stop and pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. Help me to communicate it as you would have me communicate it. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, eyes to, to see, and a mind to understand. Change us with your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 19 says, Then some Jews arrived in Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town, and the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. So Paul does this incredible miracle. They try to make him a god. He refuses, pushes back against that. Some Jews that had been previously causing trouble in every city that they went to followed them to this, to this place, and now they, they had enough. Last time they ran him out of town, but that didn't work. So this time they're, they're going to the next step, and they're going to stone him. They're going to kill him. Now, you need to understand something about being stoned in those days. It's not like what it means today. Being stoned in those days was one of the most reliable methods for killing somebody. It was, it, was, it was the most proved method of killing somebody. If, if you had a group of people and the person that was being stoned, they would pick up these big rocks and they would just palm it, this, just 
the person until they died. It was the, it was the most reliable means of punishment in those days. And they stoned Paul and drug him out of town thinking that he was dead. Well, there's a whole lot in these couple of verses. This time, the Jews went too far. They thought he was dead, and they threw him out of the town like he was a bag of trash. So let's unpack that for a minute. It says he was stoned and dragged out. He was beaten down, dragged out, thrown out, kicked to the curb, left because he was dead. Has anybody ever been mishandled this morning? Has anybody ever been handled rough? Have you ever been kicked to the curb, rejected, pushed aside, overlooked, maybe even physically beaten? Maybe you were verbally beaten. Maybe you were emotionally beaten. Have you ever had it rough? Have you ever got down? And thought you were out? They stoned him and dragged him out. Thinking that he was dead, they left him outside of the town. The Bible says then, but the believers. I think that's a great phrase. But the believers. Say that with me. Say, but the believers. You know there's good buts in the Bible, right? (laughs) But the believers. Well, let me tell you something today. If the church ever realizes how much authority and power it has, all of hell will tremble like it's never trembled before. If the church would just come to a place where it understands the authority and the power, and, and, and when I say the authority and the power, the, the authority to walk into a friend's life and pull them out of a crisis, the power to, to bring encouragement to somebody who's discouraged, the power and the authority to gather around somebody who's hurting If the church will realize how important it is and how powerful it is, all of hell will tremble and the kingdom will forcefully advance. But the believers, they gathered around him. Can I say it this way this morning? Oh, how we need spiritual family. Oh, how we need spiritual family. Family. I want to address a few things in this, in this portion of my message this morning because some of you have, have been reluctant to commit to spiritual family. Some of you have been shopping for too long. Some of you have been window shopping too long and you haven't committed to a spiritual family. Maybe you've been hurt by spiritual family. Maybe you've been hurt by a spiritual authority. And for some of you, you haven't gone all in with spiritual family. Let me say something to that. You can never reap the benefits of something that you never commit to. You see, your reluctance to commit to spiritual family is only harming you. No, I'll take that back. It's not just harming you. It's harming the other people that need you to be by their side at a moment. So, so it's hurting everybody for you to not commit to spiritual family. Listen, I believe you need to look around for a church that God wants you to be in. I 100% agree with that. People come to church here and they go, we're shopping. That's the first thing that sometimes they'll tell me. We're shopping. I go, man, praise God. Keep looking, but listen to me. Pray. Ask God what family he wants you to belong to 
and then plant yourself there. If it's here, praise God. If it's over there, praise God. Just go wherever God wants you to go and commit to the spiritual family that he's called you to commit to. Two good reasons. Number one, you need that family. And number two, that family needs you. But you'll never understand that until you commit to it. <laughs> it's time to get off the fence. It's time to commit. I've been in ministry long enough that when people leave, I'm okay. It hurts. People want to recommit somewhere else? I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that have, have left and they, they maybe either gave me the courtesy or I found out that they left and I called them up and said, hey, is everything okay? And they go, well, we just feel like the Lord wants us over here. Great, as long as you're planning in another church. Come on. But commit to it. Reap the benefits of it. I guarantee you Paul was glad that he committed to the spiritual family that he belonged to. You see, a family is where you're known. And a family is where you know. Does anybody know you? Are you known? But the believers. <clears throat> the believers gathered around him. Then the next thing it tells us is that he got up. He got up, and I was wondering if it was a miracle that Paul got up. I was wondering if it was just mere tenacity that Paul got up. Like, was there just a drive inside of him that says, I'm not, like, like you know, kind of like the Rocky thing. <laughs> oh, geez. Anyway, just, I was wondering, like, was it a miracle, or was it just, like, sheer tenacity that Paul goes, you know what, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm getting up, and I'm going back in. I know this much. Either way... God had something to do with it. Some people believe that Paul actually died, and this was a resurrection. Some of the thinking is, is that he literally did die because stoning was such a reliable source of punishment. They, they, they believe that Paul really did die, but God miraculously brought him back to life. I don't know. But I know this much. He was left for dead, but he got back up. He was down, but he wasn't out. You're going to have to get something from this point right here this morning because some of you have a hard time getting up. <laughs> In fact, some of you had a hard time getting up and be at church this morning. That's okay. I'm not going to call your name. No, I'm joking. But some of you have a hard time getting up when you're down. And for some of you, it's because you don't know how to get up. Maybe you never had a good example of how to get up. Maybe your mom and dad were just people that stayed down all the time. I don't know. But for some of you, you struggle to get up. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. How do I get up? Because you've got to understand that, that when you get up, it does something in the spiritual world. You know all of hell shook when Jesus came out of that grave, right? Come on, you know that to be true. 
all the demons were trembling. All of hell was in panic because Jesus got up. He came up out of the grave. God raised him from the dead. Jesus got up. Watch this. Hell still trembles when the believer gets back up. The thing the enemy does not want you to do is get back up. It's okay to fall. It's okay to, to find yourself down, but just get back up. Just get up. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. You're going to have to learn how to get back up. You're going to have to take some responsibility to get back up. You're going to have to get sick and tired of being down so that you can start to get back up. Because some of you struggle to get back up because you don't believe God will help you get back up. And some of you struggle to get up because you don't have any believers to gather around you. Because you haven't committed to spiritual family. You know, there's people watching you get back up. I wonder what could happen if we got really good at getting back up. One of my goals in life right now, in my spiritual walk, is to stay down as least as possible. Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm the pastor of this church, and I get down. Not, not to music. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Sometimes I do dance around the house. It's quite a sight. If anybody ever videos it, I'll kill them. But... but but I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get up faster. Like, I don't want to stay down as long. Why? Because I'm getting sick and tired of being down. I'm getting tired of being down. Can I just give a little confession to you today? Just kind of let you into my heart a little bit this morning. There's days I want to tap out. Yeah, I know. I'm the pastor. I'm not supposed to tap out. But like, can I just be honest? I mean, like, let's just take the veil away. Like, take all the, all the titles away. Can I just be real with you for a minute? There's days I want to quit. There's days I dream of going back into business. There's days I just want to come out from underneath the pressure of being a pastor. I'll go even further than that. There's days I want to come out from underneath the pressure of being a Christian. I want to come out from underneath the pressure of having to live holy and to live righteous, and to not compromise, and to stand my moral ground. There's days I just want to quit. I just want to come out from underneath and go, I'm just done. I'm just done. I just want to tap. I'm just like, I'm tapping. Can I just be honest? It may even happen this next week. There's days I find myself daydreaming about just doing business only. I'm like, I'll just go to somebody else's church and just sit in the chairs and just be an attendee and not have no pressure. But I'm learning how to get away from that quicker. I recognize when I'm down better than I used to. And I don't play in that field. There's no longer than I have to. Right? Come on, I'm not entertaining those thoughts any longer than I have to. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. He's my source. He's my sustainer. He's my provider. He knows I get down and he knows I get out. But that's he's right there with me and he lifts me with his righteous right hand. I just got to remember that. That's taking those negative thoughts of wanting to tap out and quit and bringing them to the obedience of Jesus. I can't quit because Jesus didn't quit. Because he's right here with me, walking with me as he promised to do. So I'm not going to quit on me. I'm not going to quit on my family. And I'm not going to quit on Jesus. 
So I want to get better at getting back up. The next thing we see in that verse is that Paul went back in. <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, like stop, pastor. Like, you know, I was just getting my head wrapped around getting up. Now you want me to go back in? Like these are the people that threw rocks at me, pastor. They said mean words to me, pastor. They said stuff about me on social media, pastor. You don't know. I got I to gotta write them off. I got to write that thing off. Come on. I got any, don't raise your hands, but I got any people that are good at writing people off? Come on. People mess you over one time. Oh, that's it. I'm done. You get one shot with me. Come on. You ever said that? You get one shot with me. You let me down. You, you, you mess up on me. I'm done with you. Yeah, that's why I didn't ask you to raise your hands. <laughs> I could look at your face. <laughs> Paul went back in, which to me is just one of the most incredible things ever in this story, is that not only did he get back up, but he went back in. Some of you today, you don't have a problem getting up. You got a problem going back in. Oh, you got a problem going back and addressing the situation. I got any non-confrontational people in the house this morning? People that don't like a little, a little friction? Don't raise your hands. It's okay. I got any of those people? Like you just, you just avoid tension. Like you can smell it like, the, like a bloodhound. Like, like you just like, mm, things are getting a little too intense. I'm going to creep over here and, and just hide out because I'm... Mm. I got any of those people? You're like, I'm not addressing nothing. I'm not talking about my feelings. I'm just going to be sarcastic. I'm just going to be sharp. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of a few words that just popped in my head. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be a little jerk and, and throw in a couple jabs because you hurt me and I, I feel this tension, so I'm not going to address the tension I'm not going to address the problem. I'm just going to sit back and just act like it's not bothering me. But the whole time, it's jacking up my attitude. And it's jacking up my heart. He went back in. Why did he go back in? What in the world was he thinking? Maybe he wasn't thinking. Maybe he wasn't thinking. Maybe he was led by the Spirit back in. Maybe he got up off the ground and had a holy anger inside of him that says, you know what? I'm not quitting. I'm not down. I'm not out. I'm going back in. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you too quick to write people and things off? I ain't never going back there again. I don't know why Paul went back in, but I know this much. Because he went back in, God was able to do more. If he doesn't go back in, God did what he did. But if he goes back in, God was able to do more. There's a lot of good reasons to go back in. just as many as there is to get back up. You see, if you'll just give God the chance, he will surely work through your pain. You might want to write that down. 
if you will give God the chance, he will surely work through your pain. I don't know if Paul limped in, if they carried him in. I don't know how he came back in, but I know the man that was involved in a miracle and drug out of the church when he was stoned and left for dead, got up on his feet somehow and walked back in. And because he did, God is able to do more. So how do we get up when you're down? How to get up when you're down. Matthew Henry says this. You might want to write this down. It should be on the screen. Matthew Henry says this. It is no small thing to walk with the Lord year after year, trial after trial. It takes a strong soul and an encouraged faith. It's no small thing to walk with the Lord year after year, trial after trial. It takes a strong soul and an encouraged faith. Let me give you three points. And as Callie said this morning, with a few sub points. <laughs> Three points on how to get up when you're down. Number one, you need to strengthen your soul. You're going to have to come to a place of maturity where you start to take your own soul. You start to take responsibility for your own soul. It's not Pastor Jamie's responsibility to strengthen your soul. It's actually technically my responsibility to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It's your responsibility to cover, to manage, and to protect, and to grow your own soul, Amen. to strengthen your own soul. You're going to have to mature enough and take on the responsibility. Some of you are going to have to mature enough and get, get out of this victim mentality that you came from a bad situation. Listen, everybody had some troubles in their past. You, it's going to take something more than being a victim to start to strengthen your own soul. Did you, did you have some bad rips in life? I guarantee you did. We all did. Amen? They're all different, and nobody's trying to minimize yours. But listen to me. It comes to a place where sooner or later you're going to have to mature enough to take responsibility for your own soul. It's not the modern-day church's responsibility. Come on. You're going to have to strengthen your soul. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to show you something. Timothy was, a, was one of Paul's spiritual sons. And Paul writes this letter to Timothy. And he tells Timothy something in, this, in chapter 4 that I think we can, we can grab something that, that would help us strengthen our own soul. Listen to what he says. If you, Timothy, explain these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. One, watch this, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Don't waste your time. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, watch this, train yourself to be godly. Who? Yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, yourself. <laughs> Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. I used this excuse for years not to go to the gym. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. So I said, I'm, instead of going to the gym, I'm going to read my Bible because it's better for me to be. I just, I, 
I'm living proof that didn't work, okay? So <laughs> godliness is great. I think that's what got me back to the gym. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Watch this. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You see, physical fitness only benefits you in this life, and it's important to be physically fit. How many of you want to get to the end of your race? Come on. How many of you don't want to, like, pass out and need the oxygen mask <laughs> about the third quarter? How many, come on. You want to finish the race, you're going to have to be healthy. And this is coming from a guy who struggled to be healthy most of his life. But I am on a journey to be healthy, and I'm healthier than I've ever been. But godliness benefits you in this life and the life to come. Hmm. How often do you think about the life to come? You see, unless you've got the end in mind and the beginning of eternity in mind, you're not living for that moment, which means this, that you're not investing in your future. You're living in the here and right now. Come on. You're thinking only about right now. You're not thinking about eternity, so you're not investing in eternity. Godliness is an investment in eternity. Godliness is a rare thing today. Come on. Godliness is rare today. When's the last time one of your friends came up and says, man, God's been dealing with me about this? Lord, I, th I thought I was past that, but golly, man, I must have slipped or something, but God was dealing with me about anger or, or, or gossip or, or cussing or something. I mean, when's the last time you grew a little bit and, and shared it with somebody? When's the last time one of your friends grew a little bit and they, and they shared it with you? Or are we consumed with only our problems? And we've become a welfare society. Feed me, feed me, give me, heal me, help me, be for me. Come on, help me. I need you. I need you. You see, a whole lot of flesh dies when you grow in godliness. That's what we're really talking about. That's what, you, that's what you need to be telling your friends. Ooh, lost a couple pounds the other day. Oh, yeah? What happened? Lord convicted me. <laughs> you fill in the blank. And I, in some flesh, I lost five pounds of flesh, had to die the other day. <laughs> Strengthen your soul. Paul's telling Timothy, if you explain these things, it's a sign of health for you to pass this on to others. You see, the beautiful thing about godliness is that when I grow in godliness, it can be seen by other believers. I don't have to show it off. I don't even have to brag about it. They will know it when I walk into the room. They will sense it. A good believer can sense when somebody else is growing, and there'll be a provoking that happens. Oh, you grew? Oh, I better get on my game a little bit. I need to do a little bit of growing. Oh, my goodness. I, I need... Come on, don't act like you ain't competitive. One way to strengthen your soul is to feed it consistently on the word of God and on good teaching. 
which raises the question for the 130,000th time, why do we have such a hard time feeding ourselves with God's word? Why? Why is it so hard to feed on God's word? What is it? Have you talked to God about that for you personally? Like, God, why am I struggling to read my Bible? Why am I struggling to feed my soul with the nourishment of your word? Why am I struggling? Like, why is this hard for me? In my life group, we, we talked about this in my life group, and one of the guys says, man, I just, I can't, I can't, like, consume it all. It's just, it's just, it's too much. It's just, I feel like I can't, I'm, I'm reading as much as I can. And I said, well, just back up. Simple, watch this. Just back up. Take one verse. Take that one verse Apply it to your life, boom, you just grew. Don't let the enemy get you caught up into this two paragraphs, four chapters a day. That's the only way you can be holy. My quiet times aren't, aren't many verses. My quiet times, a lot of times, are one verse. Listen, if you can take one verse of the Bible and apply it to your life, you will grow in godliness. Paul tells him to tell them not to waste time on things that don't help. Don't waste your time on things that don't build godliness. Yeah, but pastor, we got that president, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got these gas prices, you know what I'm saying, pastor? Like, we, you know, we got all these issues, inflation, we got Russia, we got Ukraine, we got all, this, all, this, all these distractions, pastor. Ah, how am I supposed to raise my kids in this environment? Ah, just live godly. Live godly, grow in godliness, keep on going, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on all that stuff. You need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray. More than ever before, we need to pray for our president. Whether you like him or not. Sometimes I go, Lord, take him out. (laughs) But if you don't, (laughs) surround him with some godly people. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we need some wisdom in the White House today. But don't waste your time on all that. Intentionality is the key to it all. What are you going to do when you wake up in the morning? Are you even thinking about that? What's your first step in the morning? Here's a good question. How will you spend your next 24 hours? Because at midnight tonight, every one of us gets a fresh batch of 24 hours. How will you spend your 24 hours? Are you intentional about that or not? Are you even thinking about how you're going to do it? Or are you so numb, this might hurt a little bit, or complacent that you're not even thinking about tomorrow, spiritually? Sure got quiet up in this church. How will you spend the next 24 hours that you're given? Because we're all given 24 hours to spend Will you be intentional with it? Because if you want to grow in godliness, you're going to have to be intentional with your time. You're going to have to make time work for you and you not work for time. Come on. So it's a, it's a simple shift. If you just, if you just, tonight when you're going to bed, just think about tomorrow. It takes less than two minutes. Think about tomorrow. What's my first step tomorrow? When I wake up, what's the first thing? Make a plan. Am I helping? Yeah, don't look like it. 
<laughs> you got this strange look on your face. Maybe I'm just misreading it. Intentionality is key. We can't, we can't afford to live in complacency. There's no more time for that. We're at the end, y'all. We're at the end. Like literally, last week I told you there was 22 things in 2 Timothy 3 that, t- that Paul said, these are, these are a lot of the last days. They'll be just like this. And I read every single one of them, and every one of you went, check, 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 22, 23 times. We're in the last days. So don't waste your time wondering if we're in the last days. We're in the last days. It's time to be intentional. Come on, when Jesus comes back, I want to get busted doing what he told me to do. I don't want to get busted playing video games. So let me give you five practical, super practical things that you can do to strengthen your soul. Number one, get into some deep worship. I mean deep worship, not like this listen to your favorite song and, and get a few feels. I'm talking about some deep worship where you, like, you, you find yourself after a couple of minutes in what seems like the holy of holies. Like you get into this very intimate place with God through worship. A lot of times it involves your knees. It involves weeping. Sometimes it involves crying and praying and praising. Come on, some deep worship. Your soul was made to worship. And when you worship, your soul comes alive. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about on your way to work when you got 10 minutes and you put a time frame on the Holy Spirit to show up. I'm talking about you said everything's out the way. The clock is yours. I'm going to sit with you. You know, God goes, oh, yeah? Let me give me some of that because I've been waiting for you to make some room for me. Mm -hmm. Deep worship. How about some intercession prayer? Well, I'm not an intercessor. You don't have to be an intercessor to have intercession prayer. What is intercession prayer? It's a pressing in to the throne room of God for yourself and for others. I cut my teeth on this whole spirit-filled movement with, with Cheryl's aunt, Netta. She lived with us for a while, and she was a spirit-filled woman, and, and she's a godly woman. And we would sit up, me, her, and Cheryl, and sometimes the kids would fall asleep in our lap, but we would sit up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning just crying out to God in intercession-type prayer. You're like, 1 or 2 in the morning? Come on, stop clowning. You know you'll watch Netflix till 1 or 2 in the morning. Intercession prayer. Do you know something? Everything we've prayed for has just about happened. Almost, we prayed for her her entire family. All of them except one has come to Christ, and they're on their way. Come on, it works. Absolutely it works, but you'll never know if it works until you get into it. Some intercession prayer. The third thing is some intensive, intensive Bible study. Grab your Bible. Know your Bible. Wear your Bible out. Chew on your Bible. Why does it say this? How does it say, how can I do this? What would God want me to get from this? Why did they do that? Get into your word and dig in. Chew on it. Squeeze out the nourishment in it. The next one is serve others. (laughs) You know, sometimes your best encouragement is to bring encouragement to others. How many of you get excited when other people get encouraged and they get blessed? 
Come on, when God uses you to go bring some relief to somebody and they just, they crumble and go, oh God, I was praying for God to do something. God just said, bring this to you and I didn't. You get encouraged, right? You encourage yourself by serving others. And then the last one is commit to spiritual family. Commit to spiritual family. They will help you strengthen your soul. It's not their responsibility to strengthen your soul, but they will help you strengthen your soul. Number two, how to get up when I'm down. Keep your faith encouraged. Keep your faith encouraged. How many of you know you get discouraged? How many of you can get discouraged? Come on, show of hands. Yeah. It doesn't take much. <laughs> you put them down. It doesn't take much. A mosquito bite, that's it. I'm, I'm discouraged. <laughs> I got bit by a mosquito. They smooth got discouraged. I was like, oh, we're there already? Like, for real? Like, y'all didn't die during the winter? Keep your faith encouraged. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. Watch what God tells Joshua. Joshua's taking over from Moses. He was Moses' apprentice. He was Moses' right-hand man. Joshua's getting ready to take over the leadership of his people from Moses, and God speaks directly to him. And watch this. This is for us today. Verse 6, Joshua 1, verse 6, it says this, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to your ancestors I would give them. Listen to what God tells him. You are the one. Can you hear God telling you that today? You are the one that I am calling to do this. You are the one. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. You want to be successful in everything you do? Raise your hand. You want to be successful in everything you do? Then stick with what God said. Do what he said. Don't fall away from it. Don't compromise. Don't don't let yourself just kind of drift off. Stick with what God said. Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. How often? Continually. Continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Uh Uh-oh, now all of a sudden it becomes a command. It was almost like it was a suggestion, a strong suggestion. Okay, let's just go ahead and make it a command. This is my command, be strong and courageous, exclamation mark. Do not be afraid or discouraged. So what is God commanding us today? Be strong and courageous. And he's also commanding us not to be afraid and not to be discouraged. What do you do when you get discouraged? What do you do? How do you find encouragement? Where do you find encouragement? Are you even looking for encouragement? Are you living under the worldly principle that time heals all wounds? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Time don't heal nothing. It just gives you a chance to bury those wounds. They're going to come back out. Look at your neighbor and say, they're going to come back out. And it's going to be ugly. 
Where do you find encouragement? You need to answer that for yourself. How do you find encouragement? This is a command with a promise. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Watch this promise. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you believe that today, that he's with you? He's with you. If he tells you and you do it, he's with you. (laughs) He gives a promise to go along with his command. That's one of the coolest things about God is he's not afraid to command us to do stuff, but he's also not afraid to show up and do his part. Come on, somebody. If you'll stick with your part, he'll stick with his. You're going to have to quit quitting. But do you believe that? Do you believe that last sentence, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go? Do you believe that? Like seriously, answer that to yourself this morning. Do you really believe that? Or do you not? Because this is what I've come to understand. The more I believe that, the more courage I live with. The more I believe that he is with me, the more courage I walk with. You know, you need courage just to go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You need courage to go to the gas pump. Keep your faith in courage. Number three is the last point. You're going to have to trust God's process. You're going to have to trust God's process. How many of you get a little nervous when you don't know what's going to happen next? Come on. How many of you, 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 you're kind of those, I need to know what's next people. Like, I ain't moving until you give me all the details. Right? They're in the room. I I can be that way myself, but I've learned with God, (laughs) you just ain't going to (laughs) know. Because if you know, it don't require faith. If I had a million dollars in the bank, I wouldn't need faith. You're going to have to trust God's process. You're going to have to tell yourself, I don't like what I'm in. I don't like where this is going. I don't like what this feels like. But I know that God's with me, and I know that he's got a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, God's always up to something. He's always up to something. Tell him again, God's always up to something. Tell him this, nothing ever happens for nothing. Tell him that, nothing ever happens for nothing. I'm, I'm wrecking all of my teachers this morning. Nothing. God's always up to something. You're going to have to trust his process, Paul gets up off the ground and he doesn't just get up and walk out of town. Paul goes back into the situation that just killed him. He goes back into the situation that just killed him. He walks back into that situation again. God was up to something. Paul didn't walk on his own two feet. Paul walked by the power of God. Back into the situation that killed him. 
And God did something miraculous. Some of it we know, some of it we don't know. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. Go to verse 1. We're going to skip ahead. Please forgive me for skipping ahead. Chapter 16. We'll get there again in a couple of weeks or months or years. But chapter 16, and watch this. It says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a, a young disciple named who? Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Watch this. Timothy became Timothy because Paul walked back in. Timothy was there when Paul did the miracle. Timothy was there when Paul did the preaching. Timothy is a disciple of Paul. Paul invested in his life, and he got his greatest lesson when Paul got up off the ground and walked back into the place that just tried to kill him and continued to make disciples, continued to encourage people, continued to preach the word of God. Yes. Timothy never becomes Timothy unless Paul walks back in. Some days you need to get up for you, but most days you need to get up for the others that are watching you. Because the same people that watched you get stoned and drug out dead are the same people that are watching you get up and walk back in. How do your kids learn how to get back up? How do your friends learn how to get back up? How does your spouse learn how to get back up? How do the people around you learn how to get back up? In part, one of the ways they learn how to get back up is by watching you get back up. We've not hidden everything from our children. We've, we've let them know when we're, when we're broke <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> we've let them know when, when there's been a crisis in the family. They've seen me weep my eyes out when I've lost my best friends. They've, seen, they've heard and, and, and witnessed me and their mom having a hard time. And that's to say it politely. And, and they've seen all these things. But watch this. But they saw us get back up. They heard us screaming one night. And then by the next morning, they seen us holding hands and making out by the coffee pot. Come on, somebody. Woo! And all happens good at the coffee pot. There's magic at the coffee pot. Can I get a witness? <laughs> they've seen us walk through illness and get back up. They've seen us go through relational crisis and get back up. My kids are currently leaving my house within the next couple of years. One's gone. The next two are going to eventually be gone. No hurry, no rush. I like you around. I just, it's just as they go, this is one thing that I know is that Cheryl and I, we showed them how to get back up. We showed them how to make things right. We didn't do everything perfect, though. But they're watching us right now, keeping on going. They've watched us walk back into relational issues, even though it's painful and it hurts, and fight for that relationship and run the devil out but from between it and say, listen to me, my feelings are hurt, your feelings are hurt, but let's, let's gain some ground right here. Let's, let's get some understanding. Did I do something to hurt you? How do my kids know that? Because we did that with them. You can't disciple the world if you can't first disciple your house. When Paul went back in, he had no idea what God would do. 
And we never know what God is up to. Paul went back in preaching, encouraging, strengthening, making disciples everywhere they went. Last question of the day. I wonder who's watching you right now. I wonder who's watching you right now. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's the coworker that's a jerk and you can't stand them. But secretly they're watching you. People are always watching you. When I was in business full time, I had a business partner and he and I were both men of God and we loved God deeply and we we had our, our disagreements, but for the most part, we, we did really good. We got along well. Two instances happened that God showed me that people are always watching. We were going to buy a utility trailer at this company in rain, and we're going to buy a trailer, and we both show up to pick out the trailer, and it's, it's just a trailer. It's a couple thousand dollars, just a trailer. And we're sitting out there with the salesman and we're just talking about what we like about the trailer and what we don't like about the trailer. And we're disagreeing with each other. And, you know, I don't, I think that, no, that's not good. I, I, I like this. I like that. And we're just bantering back and forth. And the salesman's just watching and he goes, like, how, how do you guys do this? Like, how do y'all get along? Because I, I never see this before. And so we were like, witness time. And we talked to him about Jesus. Another instance, we were sitting downtown Lafayette outside of a major construction company's office and one of their, one of their project managers was talking with us and he says, man, what is it about you? What is it about you guys? Like you're different than all the other contractors that walk in here. Like what's, what's up with y'all, man? Like what makes y'all so different? <laughs> you got a couple minutes? I'm going to tell you what makes us different. It's the blood of Jesus, and it's a commitment to a relationship. But here's the point. The point's not that we were good by any means. The point was that people are always watching. Even when you don't think they're watching, they're watching. So I know you're going to get down. Every one of you will get down again. Can I just encourage you? get back up as quick as possible commit to spiritual family have others in your life that can gather around you like the ones that gathered around Paul don't do this thing by yourself commit to a family and be there to gather around somebody else who needs you strengthen your soul encourage your faith and trust the process that God has for you amen might get down, but you're not out. Say that with me. Say, I might get down, but I'm not out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this word. I pray that you change our lives with it, God. Give us the backbone that Jesus has. 
Give us the courage that Jesus has. Give us the spiritual boldness to walk back into situations that we thought were dead. Situations we weren't supposed to get up and walk back into. God, do a mighty work in us this morning. Help us to be people that are intentional with our 24 hours. That we train ourselves in godliness before we ever try to train anything physical. And Lord, set us on fire. Set us on fire because people are watching. Set us on fire, God, and I pray that people would be like Moses when he walked up on a burning bush. When people walk up into our lives, they'll see something burning inside of us. And the curiosity will kill the flesh and the spirit will be made alive. God, do a great work in us. Give us this region, Lord. I claim this region for Jesus right now, this entire region, St. Landry Parish, Evangeline Parish, and Acadia Parish. It belongs to God in the name of Jesus. Use us and move through us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around this morning. I want to give you a quick opportunity. Maybe you've not given your life to Jesus before. Maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus and I would tell you that's the first step that every one of us needs to take is to commit our lives to Jesus the Bible calls it being born again or being saved if that's you you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to make that decision today nobody's looking around I want you just to raise your hand real quick real quick anybody praise God now Father thank you for today Move in us this week. Use us to reach the lost, the hurting, the wounded, the discouraged, and to advance the kingdom. In Jesus' name.